Hannah Dunleavy's Outside the Box. Hello and welcome to November's Outside the Box. Loads of stuff to talk about, so I haven't really got any news. I thought we could just crack on, and by we, I mean Mickey. Sigur cigar. Have you planned this? <laughs> I got excited when I thought Hannah should introduce us because I've got something to say. Jen? Hi. Hello. Thanks for being here. Yeah, loads of stuff to plough through. So I thought, well, should we start with, let's start with comedy and then go on to drama later. Yes. Everybody happy with that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I'm going to start with some comedy stuff that is on now that you could watch. Series two of Young Offenders, which is the RTE, RTE, BBC co-production, a sitcom set in Cork, as in Cork City, Ireland about two young lads played by Chris Wally who we saw in he won an Olivia oh, Award for that in the Lieutenant of Inishmore and Alex Murphy they're playing a couple of young ne'er-do-wells which I've talked about this before you're a fan aren't you I am yeah I don't think it's meant for me but I still like it I, I genuinely think that I am the last person they're thinking of when they make this but it's got a touch of shameless about it it's got a touch of the in-betweeners about it it's kind of got some gross out comedy but also it's very working class comedy about two young men they now live in the same house because one of them's been thrown out by his dad and the other one's mum has taken him in which actually i i still find that the actual real meat of this the bit that i really love about young offenders is is the relationship between maraid who's played by hillary rose and her son's best friend who she doesn't like but has taken in because she feels sorry for him and is trying to get him on the path of not being a total knob which is quite hard for her it's an interesting dynamic between them I find that quite touching to watch in parts but yeah created by Peter Foote you will find it on the iPlayer series 2 is as good possibly a bit better than series 1 as often is the case you know it gets into its stride a bit more it does make me laugh out loud quite a lot Motherland again another series going into its second series written by Sharon Horgan Holly Walsh and the Linehans six parts now up on the iPlayer anybody managed to watch? I have not. I think Motherland's like real skill is making me give a shit about it, given that I don't have children and I don't understand that schoolgate politics, PTA stuff, that's a world I'm not involved in, and yet they can still make me laugh about it. My friend's little girl has just started school, and she said, I feel like I've started school as well, because mm-hmm. I'm having to meet all of these people and strangers and hang out with them, whether I like them or not. Yeah. And that's what Motherland's about, right? Yeah, it is. It's about a group of women who are sort of, well, actually, not really. They're not a group of women as such. They're two women and a man and then some other people that sort of circulate around them who are, you know, friends because their kids are the same age, essentially, and because all of them feel like they're failing to a certain degree. They're the parents that sit by the toilet in the cafe, not the ones that sit on the big table, you know. So Um, what has it done that's that's drawn you in then, given that... Like it's not speaking um, to you. It's Anna Maxwell Martin and Diane Morgan and Paul Reedy. And all of those are good at what they do. Diane Morgan in particular yeah, is she's great. absolutely hilarious. It's slightly wider than just having children as well. I think there's an element of, you know, an element of having parents at that age, which I think is quite interesting. Uh, that stuff always amuses me when they have visits from their parents or they have interaction with their parents. And in fact, the last episode of this is quite, quite sad, something really quite sad happens and then they undercut the sadness with an absolutely fucking 
spit your tea out joke right at the end of it that doesn't often happen in stuff that's not Sharon Hogan. Um, yeah, I really like it. Is it also about friendships that come out of necessity rather yes. than choice? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. In fact, actually, Young Offenders has a really, going back to that briefly, has a really great line in it about what underpins most male friendship is that no matter how stupid what that person is doing you will probably join in just because you are their friend and uh no even if you know it's stupid you just like that's what friendship is just standing next to them while they behave like dicks and in a lot of ways motherland is this and it does also hinge quite heavily on alcohol and the role alcohol plays in just bonding people together and also in pushing the shit out of your brain that you don't want to think about uh, my lovely friend, who I'm not going to name because I've not asked for permission, but she did tell me another story about how she was bonding with her neighbours who have similar aged children and she said they went round and they ended up, the, as the kids had gone to bed, the first time they met them, they clearly lubricated the whole new meeting with some booze and they ended up doing time trials through the kids' like kind of plaything apparatus and she got stuck <laughs> and just got wedged in that a child's amazing. toy. And that's, they've been firm friends ever since. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to a comedy that I know one of you two has watched. So let's go to Bojack Horseman. I think comedy is an interesting word for it now, though, isn't well, it? That's, it's essentially what it is. Um, let's start It's there. a sad com, though, isn't it? It it's is. It's definitely a sad um, And also, talking of sad, you know, we are now in the final series. Um, let's not dwell on that too Let's much. not dwell on that. Which has been split in half, and I have to say, right from the outset, a splitting series in half never works for me because uh, there are themes that are carried from one that would ordinarily be done in one series and then you have a gap and then you like, okay, now I've got to remember. And Bojack Horseman already has enough things to remember because it has callbacks from things that happened three years ago are still coming up. So I would rather they just put it out as one series personally. I wonder if because the cliffhanger or how it leaves it dangling is very interesting. I think it's very interesting and it like the, the whole time for it to percolate and for you to think about stuff. But I don't need to think about it till January when I watched it in four hours. I don't need till January to think about this because I want to watch it now. I get yeah. it. I wonder if it's because of the decline of the cliffhanger because of people watching stuff binging on Netflix and a, a lot of the TV series on BBC now are just put hours like all at once and on Channel 4 all mm. at once. Yeah, I mean, the, the last episode of this involves you going back and remembering it is almost entirely based on the repercussions of his actions over the last five series and it took me a while to work out who some of those people were right well it's it's all about Sarah Lynn isn't it N- no it's about film director who directed uh, C- not Biscuit, whatever the film that he was supposed to be in Secretariat. Secretariat. Sorry, it was just here, so I was like, it's got to come out. So the director of Secretariat is in this. We haven't seen her for a while. The actress that he throttled in the last series is in it, and it took me a while to recognise who she was. Oh, I kind of recognise them, so I don't think it felt like a big jolt to me. Okay. Uh, And you don't learn who the bloke who's talking to to Hollyhock at the party is literally until he explains to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then I had to go... Oh, hang on. Is he talking about, are we, are we back with the deer? Are we in New Mexico? So already with Bojack Horseman, and I'm like, great. Now I've remembered all those people. I'm going to have to remember that shit until January again now, which is quite hard for me. But um, So they don't always work for me. But that said, 
I thought it was great. I think Bojack Horseman is always great. Uh, it's always really interesting. It talks about interesting things. This is mostly about rehab. It's about being sorry. It's about repenting. It's about repercussions of your actions. It's about whether or not people accept your apology or they need your apology or all of that stuff. All of which is really interesting. Side thread of Princess Carolyn trying to be a single mum. Oh my God, that and episode do all the stuff is that incredible. She does. Her episodes are always great, so aren't incredible. they? Diane is depressed because she's actually doing quite well and she can't cope with doing quite well, which is something I suffer from myself as well. So I was quite, quite on board common. with that. I said to Gary, Oh God, I'm Diane, aren't I? And he went, Let's have a hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She got a book deal and she immediately stopped writing it. That's something I can. She wrote loads. She wrote I Am a Failure (laughs) repeatedly. Yeah. So, yeah, there are are lots of things to enjoy in it. Obviously, a lot of the things they set up at the start of this aren't going to pay off until the second half. And I think the plot line of whatever is going on with Mr., as we now call him, um, being the face of depression is something that will hopefully pay off in the second half. Because Sad dog. I feel like they're saying something interesting there, actually. But I don't quite know what it is yet. So, But there's something about the fact that basically he, that was a manipulative move. He was trying to get away from looking like a dick by pretending to be depressed. It wasn't his manipulative move, though. But nonetheless, it was a move that, uh, that I think, ah, uh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting given, you know, how many men have, apologise for their behaviour by saying, oh, well, I was under a lot of pressure and all of that. So, Well, I think that leads quite neatly onto what I'm loving about BoJack, and that is the handling of Me Too, because basically the creators, when they set off in series one, have made this anti-hero, and you're like, oh, my God, he's awful. He's just awful, but you're there with BoJack. He's the protagonist. You're following him. And a bit like Tony Soprano, he does bad things, but you're like, you kind of end up rooting for him, and it makes you question how... You're dealing with your morals and various things. Three I, think se- I think he's a bit more Don Draper than Tony Soprano, to be fair. I mean, Tony I Soprano meant, is a criminal. I just meant yeah. anti-hero yeah. rather than specifics. Yeah. Um, and then, like, three seasons in, all the Me Too stuff comes out in in the real world, and they have to look at this character and go, oh, shit, we can't ignore this. And I mm. love that, because they could have ignored it, yeah. but they decided to tackle it. And in series five, I'm not... Was that that we're season six now, aren't we? Yeah, I mean so we in, talked about this when when we did the last series. So we, in yeah. season five, I was like, mm, interesting. They're they're tackling some interesting things, like the the actress that he he throttles mm-hmm. when he like loses himself. Her response is, I don't. I'm going to pretend this is all fine because I don't want this to be the question I'm asked in every interview, rather than people asking about me. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. But I think they've like taking it even further and the way they're handling with the fact that Bojack is now trying to make himself better but is that enough I think it's oh it's so fascinating yeah and then right at the end they throw in the most delightful Philadelphia story pastiche where they've now got oh darling I'm in New Mexico City (laughs) yeah where they've essentially got Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant investigating the death of Sarah Lynn like five years after it happened or whatever how many years? It's a while since Sarah Lynn's died. I think, yeah. Yeah. Too much, man. Yeah, which is which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I like it, but I'm going to reserve judgment until I've seen it in its entirety because mm-hmm. it, I would never I'm optimistic, watch half a series. I, I'm, I'm always optimistic. optimistic with Bojack Horseman. I thought the episode in which they all had to hide um, from pickles <laughs> <laughs> while, while they were having a row 
and the panic goat ended up in the panic room and it was it was very funny um i like it a lot and again just like on a technical note for what bojack does and the creators do bob raphael walsberg and um his team are incredible at just really pushing the envelope so princess caroline's episodes are always great but the one where she's trying to cope with being a single mum and with having a full-time job with a lot of demands on her attention and she doesn't feel like she's doing anything right and there's just these like little shadow princess carolines that like tick mm. tick tick and join us till, till there's like seven of her on the, yeah. the screen it's so fucking clever yeah but she did a very sensible thing and she got judah back yes yeah love judah yeah me too mm-hmm. i would like a judah yeah it'd be great okay let's do some drama so Two drama series that I intend to mention briefly and then move on and actually tackle next month when we've seen a bit more of them. Number one, Damon Lindelof's Watchmen has arrived on Sky. I think there's been two episodes so far. I have seen an almost a near ecstatic response to it. Second thing, which started last night, and by last night I mean Sunday night because uh, we're recording this on Monday, but you won't hear it till Friday, is His Dark Materials, which started on the BBC, which again, I intend to watch in a group. And when there are a few of them that I can barrel through but I know Jen you've watched one of them I watched the first one last night big 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 fan of the books um, me too and yeah I really liked it I really liked it uh, it's got all the it's got fucking Clark Peters in it hasn't it he's great Lyra's great I mean I'll save all this for the chat okay. but yeah I uh, I, I Optimistic. So far, I'm very optimistic. Is it six parts or is it? I don't know. What, so what I did say when I was watching it last night with my mate Nicola, we did say to each other afterwards, um, "How fucking long is this? Like, are they just doing the first book? Are they doing the whole trilogy? Because it's going to take a long time to get through the trilogy on the basis of how far we've come in one episode. So I'm guessing it they're just starting with the one book. Right. Interesting. But okay. I don't know. Uh, something that has been on that some of us, uh, Jen and I have watched a bit of, is Catherine the Great, which is a four-part HBO and Sky project. Uh, Helen Mirren playing um, Catherine the Great, who is Russia's most famous and only female ruler. I saw um, the billboard and it just said, royal, ruthless, raunchy. Yeah, well, she, she was. Yeah. <laughs> she was, but that does bring Jesus that does kind Christ, of bring us yeah. to, 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 to me, yeah. the crux of what the problem of this yeah. is. I love Russian history. Seriously, I think it's like, you know me, I like American history, I like French history, I like Russian history, I like places that have had a revolution, essentially. And I don't know why Russian history never particularly seems to translate into, like... um, Although I liked War and Peace. um, It doesn't always seem to translate into good TV. Now, what you've got here is Catherine Great, this woman who, who achieved something that was almost unachievable and kept control at a time when... She really shouldn't have been able to. And it's about her relationship with Potemkin, who built Sebastopol for her and, you know, was her lover. And I will say, to be fair to this programme, Catherine the Great's love life is one of the most well-known things about her. And she apparently was still had, like, a 20-year-old lover when she was, like, in her 70s. But I don't understand why you take a really interesting woman, and it's not just this that does it. It happens with Elizabeth, things about Elizabeth I. It happens with things about Queen Victoria, right? You take a woman who's been in a position of power at a crucial moment in world history and you just talk about their love life. And it's so fucking tedious. It's just quite cheap, isn't it? Basically what they've gone is, hmm, Catherine the Great, 
She was a sexy old lady. Who's a sexy old lady? I think Helen Mirren's quite yeah. a sexy old lady. They just love sex, don't they? Those sexy old ladies. That's basically what they've done, isn't it? Yeah. And it's kind of... Oh, Basic sex maths. Yeah, and also, I don't boring, really understand... I mean, you know I don't like romance, as it is, right? Generally, as a, as a rule. But I find courtly romance makes me want to gouge my eyes out because it's not just, oh, you're beautiful. Oh, it's, oh, you're so magnificently, triumphantly, queen-like beautiful. And you're like, come on now. Every sentence is a fucking poem. Exactly. Yeah, no one needs so, that. So if you like that sort of thing, it's got some good people in it, Rory Kinnear, Gina McKay, you might like it. But Jen and I both seem to just oh, it's got a, it's have got the a, same big eyes about it. It's got a fucking cracking cast, hasn't it? It's just a shame. It's, it's I just thought it was so fucking boring, to be honest. I watched one episode and thought, well, probably not probably not going to bother with that. There's probably some shit ITV drama I can watch instead. <laughs> Now, I, I feel like to move on to Dublin murders, it's a segue into that from the word shit drama is unfortunate and hopefully untrue. Uh, I have not had the opportunity to watch it, so would somebody else like to take it? Next, do you want to start? What's happening? What's going on? Why is that deer in slow motion? I don't know. <laughs> Where are the wolves coming from? <laughs> when were the murders? Who were the murders? Who were the murderers? Who were the people? What's going on? Who was who? Why, have they got, why are they all twins? Okay, what? I'm going to fill in while they're talking. <laughs> uh, this is Sarah Phelps, uh, the brilliant Sarah Phelps uh, drama, um, which actually, when we met her, she was just about to fly off to Dublin to, to make. Yeah, and it's based on two books by Tana French. And mm. um, I, from what I've read on Twitter, where I did send the hashtag Dublin murders to you and go, seriously, watch this. And it was basically people just doing what I did then, just going, I don't know what's happening, but I am going to keep watching. Because it is, it's entertaining, it's compelling. It but it feels a bit true detective And a few people I've seen on Twitter who have clearly read the books, which I haven't, are just like, I don't understand why they've combined them. It's making it really confusing. I'd have thought I'd know what was happening, and I haven't got a clue. Oh, so they've combined the two books, have they? Yeah. Okay. So, so are the two books about different things... Uh, I haven't read the book, so I don't know. Um, the only information I have on this is Twitter. But the last two, mm. while we're talking, the last two episodes haven't screened there yeah. on this very night. Mm. So when you're listening to this, if you've been watching it, hopefully there'll have been some sort of resolution. But like, it's it's great. The acting's really good. Sarah Green is so good as Cassie and as um, Lexi. She, and she's, pretend Lexi. And pretend Lexi. <laughs> she, I mean, it is it is very confusing. And it's really entertaining. I find Killian Scott quite hard to watch, which is just a personal thing with me and his face. Also, his character's awful. I think he's meant to be pretty creepy, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. pretty creepy. And hopefully, again, this will all make sense at some point. So it's beautifully shot, clearly a little bit true detective-inspired, dark, mysterious, mm. odd, occult things there's all sorts going altars, on altars sacrifices murders a lot of questions all the stuff. no answers whatsoever um but fergal from catastrophes in it and he uh, i just went why is a fergal just being a dick in it and then realized he wasn't playing that character <laughs> there's like basically two storylines aren't there that are running concurrent there's the lexi thing and then there's the original murders thing and they're like, oh, we think they're related, but I don't understand why they okay, think they're related. Okay, so just to give a little, like, a pressy, there were some murders in 1985. No, there weren't some murders. There were some kids went missing in 1985. Presumed dead. Presumed dead. Never turned up again. And now, from the same woods, a young girl has been found dead on what looks like an altar. 
and there appear to be connections with the people surrounding both of these incidents. But, but they put the wrong copper on the job, basically. Yeah, right. Really and without have. without wanting to do any spoilers, which is very hard because it's really spo- it would be really spoiler heavy. Yeah, they put the wrong copper on the job, and it is it's biting everyone on the bum, really. Yeah, and also just a bit surprised the police aren't a bit more thorough in their back checks. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was a question mark I had as well. Yeah. Also, is it Varys from Game Varys, of Thrones? Yeah, yeah, he's in it. He's brilliant. He's being a bit sexist, but otherwise all right. But it's 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 good. I can see. I haven't watched a BBC drama for an age, and it feels very BBC drama. But the writing's excellent. It's sharp. I'm going to watch the last two episodes, even though I don't know what the fuck's going on. I did say to you in the week that um, I'd sort of lost patience with all the like not really fucking knowing what was going on. But having watched the next two episodes since then as in the last two episodes, but the next two at the point yeah. that we discussed it. That was unnecessarily confusing. Um, now I'm like, oh no, I'm going to see this out. I want to know what happens. Yeah. You're right, it's very compelling. Yeah. Okay, we're back. Let's talk about something that's neither comedy nor drama and get it in now, which is Seven Worlds, One Planet, which is the annual David Attenborough outing of gloriousness from the BBC. Oh, Hannah, if nature isn't just one play of comedy and drama, what is it? Now, it's funny you should say that, because I've actually written here what nature programmes now have become by virtue of the fact that... I mean, don't get me wrong, this is glorious. Like, absolutely. And, and, And... Annoyed as I am with the BBC about a lot of things. Yep. You know, if it didn't exist, no other fucker would make this stuff. It is incredible. But because of the way the world is going, increasingly, you know, A, technology is improving and you can get closer, you can spend more time, you know. People, Build a tunnel to look at weasels. <laughs> yeah. People can, like, track <laughs> track stuff. So so you can be be very, very close in there. But at the same point, life is quite hard and brutal now for animals, way more than, mm. than it ever was, particularly, you know, when, when that is part of the BBC's sort of or David Attenborough's personal remit is to demonstrate that, you know, that humans are the scum of the earth. We are. <laughs> We're parasites. We are literally the worst things. So so you end up with this kind of feeling that half of it is really sort of Disney-esque and it comes with this music. There's a great scene. They're on an island and the beach is full of sea lions. And oh, yeah, I think there used to be more space on the beach. Maybe it's rising waters or whatever. And the beach is full of sea lions and the penguins have to try and get to the beach. But the sea lions keep shouting at them. And then they're all like trying to get round and they're trying to work it out. And then one of them just goes, fuck it, and runs across their bellies like that. And it's so funny. And they're all like going, arr, 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 shouting at him. This was shown on Netflix first. I've seen this. No. I've seen this with David Attenborough narrating. He did a Netflix series. The BBC now started showing it. Well, the BBC is showing it. It was on Netflix. Okay. And I, I mentioned it ages ago. Okay. All right, and it's really Disney-esque, isn't it? Yeah. But at the same point, in the same like in the same series, there's this like Ken Loach tragedy of this puma just trying to feed her kids and not succeeding, and it's really really awful. So it's this mix of like of frivolity and just desperation all in the same episode. Oh, there you go again. Nature's light and shade. Isn't yeah, it? absolutely. Plus, as you heard earlier, you know. You must have seen the snake rock with the fake spider then. I'm really confused because that was definitely in... Oh, look. 
He did ask us all to recycle. So David Attenborough sparks footage round by reusing the same shots of animals for his BBC series that appeared on Netflix six months ago. Oh, there you go. Nonetheless, if you haven't seen that, watch this. These monkeys with blue faces that live in the cold with these little snubby noses that all basically have to just get in a group hug like just to survive the winter. It's they delightful. The, they have the hot baths, so they the monkeys. No, have they a, don't they have, have hot Japanese baths. No, they, they. I know the ones you mean. Yeah, no, yeah. these ones just just have a cuddle. Oh, they all just get in a a, a, a group hug. So I wonder if some of the footage is clearly new because I haven't seen. Well, that. some of it definitely is as well because it comes with the thing that they started doing a few years ago, which is about forty five minutes of it is the program, and about fifteen minutes of it at the end is explaining how they made the program. So anyway, I've seen three because they're on the preview service, but. I think two have been on TV so far, but I would watch them all. I'm guessing that there are seven, if it's seven worlds. Let's hope so. I'm guessing. Maybe um, one of the worlds is really shit and they just like condense Yeah, Europe. Yeah. <laughs> Here are some well, If it's squirrels. anything like the Netflix one, the Europe stuff, was um, a lot to do with uh, Chernobyl. Oh, that is interesting. And it was really interesting. Was Okay. What, what I would say is I'm going to watch that one because I fucking love an animal program and I love Attenborough, but I would also recommend to you find the one on Netflix because it's excellent. Okay. Great. Double... Double nature. Double nature, Joy. Okay. Now, I've only got one thing left to talk about. Um, double uh, Dave, the two-headed snake. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but who else has seen what else? Mickey, you, um, Mickey and Jen have both watched the first episode of The Accident. Am I right? Which You've watched two. I've watched okay. two, yeah. Jack Thorne heavy at the moment, aren't we? The whole world is Jack Thorne heavy yeah. at the minute, I believe. Yeah, because obviously he's done his dark materials and I'm assuming other things. And Mick and I were just um, interviewing Pat and Joseph about being oh, in a Jack yeah. Thorne play. Being a Jack Thorne interpretation of A Christmas Carol, mm. no less. So the premise is there's an explosion at a factory which causes it to fall down. It, it just collapses and there are kids in there, so there's the accident. That happens quite quickly in the first episode. Although, also quickly and at the same time, drawn out. Well, they don't fuck around, I thought. I thought they'd sort of dispatched it pretty quickly, that building. I could have seen less of kids running around holding hands together, to be honest with you. Okay. I, um, I didn't think that was overdone, but... Well, I'm going to be fairly quiet about it because I'm not a massive fan. I thought there's a bit on domestic violence. Sarah Lancashire is in it, and she is a cracking. And there's a bit with her, and I think he's called Mark Lewis as her husband and they touch on domestic violence in a scene that is staggeringly powerful despite only lasting a minute or so uh, but apart from that I was a little bit underwhelmed so I think it's it's not really f- and I've only seen one episode so right. I'm going to I'm going to keep the rest of it shut up shut up Noonan I've seen two episodes I think how many are there do we know I think there's f- are there four I thought it was six I thought it was a six part drama yeah well, that would make sense because four Probably on the basis of having seen two, I'm not sure four would cut it. Um, I thought I think it might be a grower. Hence why I'm being yeah, quiet. Yeah, is is my sense. I Sarah Lancashire is so good in it. Yeah, she is. She's excellent. really, really good. Also, doesn't I'll tell you what, if she came round uninvited to my house and did a shit, I'd probably clap. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> but also, uh does a really good Welsh accent. The valleys, it's very specific. Yeah, it's really very good. Very specific. Um, yeah, so there's, it's got a really good cast as well. Uh, who else is in it? It's Joanna got, Scanlon's in yeah. it. Um, and uh, Adrian Scarborough. Uh, yeah, it's got. It's really good. But, yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen. I think the domestic violence thing is going to be 
interesting. There's like hints in the second episode of of like a bit of a weird dynamic. I mean, I guess it is quite a weird dynamic, um, the relationship. But yeah, and and the other people around them that clearly know all about it. Um, yeah, because I thought it was odd. You know the bit they have a cuddle on the stairs. Well, when she goes to the hospital afterwards and she's like a bit mashed up and yes. there's just like and she talks to the doctor and she's just like just going to go and like clean her face up kind of thing and no one like I guess so just to clear up what I said about the cuddle on the stairs I saw a lot of noise on Twitter by people saying I can't believe they were cuddling on the stairs straight away and that just is people being ignorant of how Not domestic violence works mm. and how like the abuser can I off just will then want comfort and that's the dynamic of a lot of these relationships but yeah I guess when she goes to the hospital whereas they might usually say something her kid is in intensive care and a lot of children have died yeah no well well so the thing was when I saw it I sort of thought oh that's kind of weird and then I think it plays out a bit more in the second series okay. I think there's a bit more of a thing of, I think there's I think there will be more to be said about the domestic violence situation, basically. I'll be interested to see what that is. Mm. Yeah, I found the first episode a little bit oddly heavy-handed and for such a disaster. There's, And at the same time, there's not very much crying, but you like, if there was anyone, any time where people would be like showing grief, you'd think when a mm. lot of children have died, mm. that would be it. And then they're not. And whether that comes across in New Loma about the stoicism of the valleys or, or whether that's going to expand... I don't know, but the first one I will watch another. But if it if it was the same as that one, I think I'd then just stop. But yeah, I I have to say I think that Jack Thorne is is talented, but I I don't feel that he is quite as um, wonder kid. Yeah, as as a lot of I mean, I thought Kerry was good, but I thought it, you know it doesn't it doesn't touch me in the way that say somebody who's writing in a similar vein. Say Sally Wainwright does. I don't. I, it doesn't, and I, do, I don't know if that's something to do with the topic or the subject matter or her her gender or what. But yeah, I I, I think he's got he he's good at picking up on what the zeitgeist in the country is and crafting a drama around that. I think he's certainly really good at that. But I don't think that drama is always quite. I don't feel that they're always quite as successful as as other people think they are. Yeah, because it's probably worth mentioning that he, this is sort of inspired by Grenfell. Grenfell. Yeah, and also I would imagine to a certain degree, if you're talking about a tragedy of children Aberfan. in the valleys, Aberfan. Yeah, yeah, they do mention that actually. That do, they do. Yeah. yeah so the, the Grenfell thing again, having only seen one episode, that a tower like being destroyed. I get it, but it's not. It's not a no, huge it's nothing. Connection. No, there's not really any connection other than that it's a, it's basically an avoidable tragedy yeah. that's been caused yeah. by someone is liable for this. That's the point, I think, and and I think that becomes a bit clearer in the second episode as well. That the point that they appear to be trying to make is that someone is has has to be liable for this, and obviously people want to know who that is and and to bring them to justice. So, yeah. Okay, which brings me to the last thing that I've watched that I want to talk about, which is Succession. Now, Mickey has seen some of them, but has not seen as uh, as far ahead as I have, which means that I'm going to have to talk somewhat in code because there's a number of things that I don't want to spoil for her. Um, partly because there are two things in particular 
possibly three, but two in particular that happened in the second series that I was absolutely like, what now? What the fuck is happening here? And um, I, I would not I would not like Mickey to miss out on the um, the general stomach lurching of, of some of the things that happened. So succession. Um, I've it, never seen it ever. It is on currently on Sky. It's mm-hmm. HBO. It's into its second series. Pitched very much as like a family dynasty, but not dynasty the TV program, but dynastic drama based on the machinations behind things like the Murdoch group and the Trumps and that sort of stuff. Now, I looked at that and thought, oh, fuck off. That's it in the news. I don't need to watch it on TV very much. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of people said to me they'd started watching it, including Mickey, and I, I completely forgot that she'd said it. Uh, what really suddenly I noticed somewhere along the series is that it's written by Jesse Armstrong. And um, what it has been plugged as, uh, Jesse Armstrong, just if you don't know, as in co-writer of Pape Show, also a lot of writing on Veep, also in the thick of it. And Fresh Mate is also Jesse Armstrong, so comedy, real comedy background. And suddenly I thought, hang on, why have they sold this as this, like, machinations and whatever drama? Whereas what it is when I watched it is pretty much about as blurred a line gets between comedy and drama as something like There She Goes blurs which is a merman thing about uh, is with david tennant and jessica hines trying to raise a kid that's got some serious health problems and that is pitched as a sitcom and you think really because it feels like a drama in parts and succession is like the mirror image of it as it it's pitched as a drama but for huge chunks of it 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 essentially functions as a sitcom because it's worth noting as well not only is jesse armstrong the writer but will farrell is one is really high up on the production team yeah it's a family. Uh, it's headed by uh, Brian Cox, who is the Rupert Murdoch-style character. He has four children. Mickey and I have talked at quite at length about how it's a family that, again, has three sons and a daughter, which is about as stereotypical as family dramas get. And we were trying to work out whether, A, it's something to do with um, the fact that people just write more male roles than they write women roles, or whether it's like some sort of homage to The Godfather, because that's what the setup was there. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, it's really difficult to think of a family, um, a dynastic family, rich family drama about taking power that doesn't have that format. You know, three. Uh, Arrested Development is three and one. Um, Bloodline is three and one. Um, trying to think of some I love more. the description of Arrested Development as a dynastic drama about people trying to take power. Because there are elements of that. Yeah, but there are. <laughs> but there are. Yeah, I know. That's why it's, it's funny. Anyway. Although, uh, and it's good because I think Succession does remind me, the three episodes I've seen, um, and just life got in the way, otherwise I would have absolutely binged it. It is on my radar. Um, it really reminded me of Arrested Development, that awkwardness. It's very, it's very clever and awkward and funny. Yeah. It reminds me of Sopranos. It reminds me very much of Mad Men. It's got a lot of veep in it. It's essentially King Lear, I suppose. If King Lear of King Lear was laugh a minute. I mean, there are just so many lines that just really... And it's... <laughs> oh, his eyes! <laughs> yeah. And, like, because it's... Because it is that, like, a lot of the writers, you know, that are on it, they've done stuff like veep. It's very quick patter. So there are bits of it. There are episodes that I had to watch more than once because you're just going to miss the funny bits in it where everybody's talking at the same time. And you're like, hang on, did I just hear him say that? There's a great episode in which Matthew McFadden's character um, is told that someone has um, uh, syphilis. And he says, 
don't hear much about syphilis nowadays. It's very much the MySpace of sexually transmitted <laughs> diseases. But but then it, nobody laughs at it. They just move on. And you're like, did he just say that? That was funny. Oh, no, something else is happening now. So first series, I liked a lot. Second series really powers up. The second series is absolutely tremendous. And there are three things that I'm going to have to discuss in code here for people who've watched Succession, but that Mickey doesn't know. Number one, as we were discussing earlier, I don't really do romantic relationships or I certainly don't watch them. I don't find them to be interesting. And it it aggravates me that, you know, love, the most common representation of love that you see on television is romantic love, when romantic love really doesn't even touch the sides of what love is. And sex is quite often seen as something that's based on some sort of physical perfection. Something happens in the second series of this which is so weird and it's a relationship that I don't even really know what it is or what it's based on but I am 100% here for it. It's the most interesting relationship I've seen on television in such a long time. I think that's probably Cody enough. Uh, number two, the thing that happens at uh, in Dundee on stage uh, made me literally collapse in on myself like a dying star. It is the most mortifying thing I've ever seen anyone do on television and I think if Jeremy Strong doesn't pick up an Emmy on based on that scene alone. He will be absolutely robbed for it. I nearly died inside. And then I saw her on Twitter and Twitter was like, I feel sick. I can't. One person in it actually says, it's like staring into the sun. It's burning my eyes, but I can't look away. And mm. it's just awful. Um, and the third thing is womankind is entirely fucked over by a woman in this. And that there's interesting things to discuss there. But I can't really go any further with that because Mickey hasn't watched it so maybe we'll revisit Succession when you've actually seen a bit more of it but doing big eyes into the microphone in uh, in conclusion watch Succession it's very very good and very funny I, I mean I was already planning to and this has not changed my mind great has anybody else watched anything else we haven't talked about I think we've covered Weasels fairly substantially in the okay. British Telegraph this week I watched the first two episodes of Peep Show. (laughs) There you go. I went retro. I did. Hannah Dunleavy's Outside the Box.